Welcome to Season 2 with Dr. Annette West. This show is coming to you from a holistic and faith-based view, sharing varied topics, occasional interviews, and discussions. The purpose of this show is to help us to build up our mind, our body, and our spirit. I want to give a shout out to Dr. Sax Love for allowing this show use of his jazz instrumental, Funk Jazz. Now, let's get started with Dr. Annette West's topic for today. Hi, everyone. We're in another week. I'm excited that you're tuning into the podcast on today. What can I say? We always have someone great that we're bringing in. And I feel like today, the person who is going to share is going to take us even deeper into some areas that we've talked about before in private counseling or or coaching. Um, But I think it's going to be something great and beneficial to you. And if not to you, it's going to be beneficial to someone that you know, because we all are connected to someone who has dealt with mental health issues. So I want to welcome Michelle E. Dickinson to the show today. Welcome, Michelle. Uh, Thank you for having me, Dr. Annette. It's wonderful to be here with you. Great. I'm glad to have you. And um. I'm excited that you are a mental health advocate. I, I see in your bio, you're you're a TED speaker. Um, we're going to talk a bit about the book that you published, Breaking Into My Life. Great perspective there. I didn't purchase a book, but I did download the ebook. Yes, yes. And so, um, um, and I think um, you have some great, depth of insight that you can share with us on today. So before we really get into that, share with us, the listeners, um, some insight about you, Michelle, so that we can get a feel for who you are and what you're doing out here in the community. Uh, Excellent. Thank you. Thanks for the opportunity. Great. So yeah, my story um, has led me to where I am. I never in a million years imagined I would become a very passionate mental health advocate, but my journey has been such that um, I grew up with a mother who struggled with bipolar disorder and found myself on the TED stage telling that story and got very connected to the difference that sharing my story and humanizing mental health could make in the world. So I went on to uh, write my memoir as a vehicle to really initiate conversation so we stop hiding from mental illness really start talking about it and really supporting and loving the people around us who are affected by it 
um, the statistics are very real. You know, over 14 million Americans um, are dealing with mental illness, and it's not always something that's hereditary. It's also because of life events that occur, mm. um, and we're human. So I, I just got very connected to wanting to make a difference in the world by telling my story um, and, and really, like, helping end the stigma that, that still exists. Yeah, and I, I think you're right. I think a lot of times people don't know how to engage people that are going through these things. And, and I've seen some really sad outcomes of some of the disconnects that people that people have had with their family members and, and others. Um, I know that you've spent many years um, working in dealing with the mental health um, stigma, trying to bring awareness to people. How do we go about... Um, sharing this and elevating the awareness and the compassion from people? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, because, uh, you know, historically, and even when my mother was struggling and when I was a little girl, we were all embarrassed. There was, there was embarrassment and there was fear and that prevented, you know, a lot of the, the conversations that could have been helpful, whether it be to me as a little girl or to my father who was, who is, you know, caring for his wife or even my mom. Um, and I think that fundamentally we need to start to relate to the brain uh, just like we would any other organ. Uh, brain health in general really shouldn't be anything we're ashamed of. It's just another organ. And I think um, when we start to talk about mental illness more along the lines of brain health and brain well-being, um, we can sort of take away this uh the words that have it so negatively charged, like mental illness or mental, um, you know, mental health. I, I think that in general, um, shifting how we relate to the brain, opening up the conversation um, courageously, checking in with one another's well-being in general, how are you doing today, can really be the things that we do to really diffuse the stigma and, and start normalizing mental health conversation, the brain health discussion. Yeah, I think that's I think that's good. Do you think and it's just a, a, a side thought that just hit me, you know, um, we've seen in the in the news, in the media and a, a, a ridiculously large number of children committing suicide. I know. Do, I know. What, what's your thought? Yeah, share with us. Oh, my goodness. So this is something that, like, lights me up. I, I get really passionate about this. I've been a very um, engaged uh, child uh, advocate in general. I've always been wanting to help kids um, live better lives. I've been a court-appointed advocate for kids. So when I got connected to mental illness and I saw the horrific statistics around children and suicide, I was like, there has to be something we can do. Um I think it starts, and it's such a beautiful age, where we start to have conversations with kids around mental health, how they're feeling, what their emotions are, really get them connected to um, that it's okay for you to have, you know, emotions and feelings and understand what they are, but more importantly, giving them tools and the courage and encouragement to raise their hand if they feel like they need support. I mean, we can actually shape their relationship to mental health versus 
the adult that we now have to remove stigma. We now have to remove all the things that they've been taught. We have such a beautiful opportunity to really help craft how kids relate to well-being and empower them so they can deal with stress and anxiety in a very helpful way instead of hiding. That's good. So how young do you think um, information should be given to how young should children be to get this information? So I have a children's wellness program that I created, um, Dr. Nett, around helping kids uh, get, you know, understand their breathing, understand their, their emotions and their feelings. And I target the middle school age because it's just young enough um, to give them tools to empower them as they go into those high school years where you're, you're just trying to figure out who you are, what your body is doing, what your emotions are doing. Then you're getting all these tests that you have to take and there's stress and anxiety. So I truly believe that in the middle school age, if you can teach kids about visualization tools, meditation techniques, what are their feelings mean, having empathy for one another. If you can really get in there in that middle school age, I think we set them up for success. Okay, that's good. I was um, talking to a young lady. She's a she's doing children's books. Awesome. And um, I've, I've purchased a couple of them for my granddaughters, but she told me she was getting ready to, she wanted to do one that had to deal with um, you know, how to respond when your mind isn't acting the way it should. And I thought, oh, that would be a good story for a parent to read to their child before they even know what they're really hearing, you know? Yeah, yeah, the voice, right? The, the critic in, in, inside all of us. <laughs> so true, right? To have them have a normal relationship to, yeah, sometimes my mind's going to tell me things and, and I don't always have to agree with it. Yeah, I was listening to a lady. I was listening to her video this morning and she said, she was talking about her son and she was saying, you know, how difficult he can be sometimes. And she said, and especially when he gets hungry, she said, but that now I think back and she says, when I was pregnant, I was always angry when I got hungry. <laughs> and, and I said, isn't it interesting how we help shape characteristics of our children while they are yet in our wombs? <laughs> Yeah, isn't that funny? They're listening. They say your cells are always listening. So I would I would presume that even the you know yeah that's what I say because I I I I told my um, I was telling one lady her daughter was like really really nervous all the time really really nervous and she was like I don't understand why she's always nervous why she's always jumpy and I was like well remember when you were pregnant and you were going through all of that stuff with your spouse and remember how there was so much tension in the house and there was a lot of hollering and the screaming and stressors well that baby was able to to sense to feel yeah. all of that that was going on. So she came here with what? A nervous personality. Mm, that's amazing. It, yeah, I it, believe it. It, it. it really is. She said, oh, I hadn't thought of that. But yeah, that makes sense now. So I think, you know, we can even even go even further back in, in being mindful of yeah. how we are taking care of ourselves early on. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, one of the aspects of the children's program is educate the parents, right? You can educate kids all day long, but if you don't teach the parents what, what good is going into them in this wellness program, so they can sustain that change and lead by example, right? Lead by example. Um, 
you know, you're, you're not going to see the results that you would hope for. So I, I love that. I mean, I think, you know, a parent that knows how to take care of their mental well-being is the best example for a child. Yeah, I remember um, years ago, because all my children are, one's getting ready to hit 30, one's in their 30s, and one's already hit 40. So... So in, in thinking about um, my children, I remember when they would have, you know, um, trainings at the school, they would have um, different types of workshops and things, and they would bring in, ask the parents to come in, right? And they would always say to me, why is it that the parents that don't need this are the ones that show up? <laughs> you know, it's like, we have kids that we know need this, but we can't just send out to them. So we send out to, you know, to all of the parents. And we ask them to really come because we really have things that, and the kids that really need this, their parents don't come. So that means that their parents don't come. They don't get that information. Yeah. So true. So true. And yeah. And it's very true. And it's unfortunate, right? It is. I see that. Okay. So you've done a lot of work with youth. Um, I, I see you were a past volunteer with the Court Appointed Special Advocates, CASA. So um, do you, I mean, I know that you've added value, I'm sure, to whatever you've done, but have you seen the type of outcomes that you expected with those type of programs? Oh, absolutely. I mean, um, you know, the program that, that I'm really proud of um, has has helped to shift the culture in the school because the way that we've delivered the program to the school um, is that we hit every student in the school. So if you teach every student in the school how to meditate, mm -hmm. what that looks like, you have the ability to shift how kids are are like just empowered as a collective body. So yeah, I mean, you know, we've been in one school year on year, you know, over and over, and I I, I love to witness that because um, then you have a different kind of conversation happening. Um, around their around their well being, you know, and the teachers are, are feel more comfortable checking in with their students because that conversation's been had already, and it's not awkward. Yeah, um, yeah, I can see that. And your and your program is called Perfect, just the way you are. Exactly. And if you go to my website, um, which is Michelle E. Dickinson, you can see a little video of the program that we ran just a, just maybe two months ago. Um, and the kids' testimonials to how that program has helped them. Okay, that's good. And where are you located at? I'm out of Westfield, New Jersey. The what? program that I highlight the video is uh, from Rockaway, New Jersey. Okay. New Jersey. Okay, wonderful, wonderful. Well, look, we can't have enough information in the schools, enough programs for the schools, in the schools to help our children. So I think that's that's great. And I think, you know, the area that you are working with is one that's not often, we said, it's not often talked about. So the, the sooner we can get you in and, and get that information into the school's hands and, it's, and with the children, the better off they're going to be overall. Absolutely. And I, you know, the thing, the thing that's exciting, I have to say, is that more and more states are implementing a mental health curriculum within the health classes for students. We are not there yet in New Jersey. So that's why I love this program, because there isn't a defined curriculum that teaches kids mental well-being. Um, I think California recently got a curriculum. I think New York recently got one. Um, so that's part of their, their overall curriculum. But there are so many opportunities in the states that don't have this, uh, which is why I believe that this is a great program to get kids 
kids to really initiate that conversation while while their different you know respective states catch up and get this in place for them. That's good, and I think it's so important um, <clears throat> that we learn how to be well in all areas of our life. Yep. Not, not you know, I, I deal with people, they want to get body healthy, you know, or they want to get a stronger relationship with the Lord. Not as many want to get the stronger relationship with the Lord, you know, but, you know, they want, they want, they want the, you know, the, a certain look on their bodies that they don't have, you know, so some are willing to put in that effort, but getting them to understand that it's not just one area that we focus on. We want to be, we want to complete, be complete. And that's why exactly. we need to focus on, um, you know, my teaching is mind wellness, body wellness, and spirit wellness. Mm. And, mm. and when we are able to focus on those areas and bring them together, then we become holistically well. And we then are aligned the way that we should be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, I also believe too that it's um, resilience. Like when you do that, you're proactively building resilience. And the truth is that you know, one in I think it's one in five of us will be affected by a mental illness at some point in our lives. We may not have had a chronic mental illness, but the reality is, we're all going to have life events, and life events are really what can can hit us and have us dealing with our mental well-being. So if you can you know, proactively start thinking of ways that you can have that mental resilience when something comes along, a life event, when you lose someone, God forbid, or you, you're confronted with, with a major life challenge, you're, you're going to be in a much better place to bounce back. Um, it, it's not going to be easy. It's normal that you're going to have a challenge. But um, I think for us to ignore it and pretend that we, we will never be affected by mental illness because we've never had it is foolish. I mean, my example is I never had my own mental illness my entire life. I, I, I was affected by my mom um, because I was her caregiver. I observed what that experience was like for her having bipolar, but I never had it myself until last year. Last year, I dealt with depression because I was hit with a life event that I didn't foresee coming, mm-hmm. and I had to deal with it. And, you know... Uh, it was not easy. It was, it was a hard experience, but I think, um, that's why we have to talk about mental health because at any given point we could all, you know, have, have a situation that we're going to need to deal with. Yeah. And I, and I think like where you, where you sit and how you engage, you share, I am sure coping mechanisms with people. Sure. Oh, sure. Oh, absolutely. You have to have that support circle. You have to create a routine. You have to take care of your physical health and your, your physical well-being, even when you don't want to, when you want to stay under the covers all day. You got to <laughs> force yourself to go for that walk. Force yourself to eat something good. Get some nutrition in your body. Um, these are the little things that, you know, even though you don't want to do it, you do it. Stay connected to people. You, you don't want to get connected when you're feeling like crap but you know what you need to be you need to reach out to someone that you can trust so these are like little things that you know i learned from my own experience well you know they they say you know the the best testimony is your own (laughs) so true 
know, nobody, you know, it's like I can tell your story, but I can't tell it like you because I wasn't there. I didn't experience. So there's going to be some there's going to be a depth of emotion that goes with your story that I can't give. Yeah. Yeah. And I think your story has so much power because as people will read your book, um, they will understand I'm not out here alone. Right. That's what I that's what I felt. You know, when I when I started reading it and 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 then I was thinking about you being a child and what and how you had to endure, you know, how you had to become. Um, I don't want to say let me see how you had to mature very quickly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I didn't know any better. That was my normal. I didn't know any better. Um, you know, and it was hard. And it shaped who I am. And I would never be out to cause change if I didn't experience it. You know? Yeah, I think I think it was like the 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 little boy said, "I never knew I was poor until somebody came and told me." You know, it's like I, yeah. this was this was this was just my environment. You know, you know that yeah. you know it's like okay, you got some you got some shoes on and they have a hole in them. You're not thinking about you. You know, there's a hole, but it's not bothering you because you're used to it. And until somebody tells you, you must be poor because you got a hole in your shoe. You haven't thought about the fact. That, yeah. <laughs> you know. And that's there why I, I like, uh, you know, I uh, when I was looking at um, just a little bit in the book um, where you talk about never knowing how you felt, never knowing from day to day how the engagement was going to be with you and your mom. Yeah, I can't. Yeah. I, you know, I. I can think back to my own childhood and say, oh, I can kind of relate. Yeah. But um, just to. <laughs> You know, but just 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 to relate and the fact that your mom wasn't the only person in the world going through something like that. You weren't the only child in the world going through through something like that. But you yet you went through it. And, you know, some and, and sometimes I hear people and I this is just where my mind went. OK, so I, I see oftentimes because I really enjoy watching um, forensics files and different stuff like that. And it always interests me that people go through life doing all kind of crazy stuff, right? Mm -hmm. And then when they finally get caught and then they stand before a court, all of a sudden everything has to go back to their childhood. And, and I, you know, and I say to, and I've said to my husband and my family, and I was like, I even said to my mom, you know, one time I was like, um, well, if that was the case, then all your kids would be in jail. Or if that was the case, all of your kids would be crazy, you know, because we all went through the same thing. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So yeah. we choose. Yeah, it, it can be tough sometimes in the dynamic that we're born into because we don't. That's what we're born into. We don't know any better. Mm -hmm. But at some point, we can choose not to walk that. And I and I think like for you, when you realize that something is disjointed, you find a way to make it correctly aligned. Yeah, you know, exactly. I mean, I but it wasn't without a lot of a lot of therapy, support, and self-discovery that I realized I am not a victim of my past. Right. My past my past created who I am. My past shaped me. My past in a lot of ways has empowered me. And it's compromised some things. My choices are definitely compromised in certain relationship kind of scenarios. But I choose 
like you said, I choose from this moment forward to create my future and not be a victim of the past and and play on that story. You know, I get to create kind of where I take this, what I do, how I stay empowered in, in my life um, instead of going, woe is me, I had a really horrible childhood, you know? <laughs> Right. And again, that, that's exactly how I feel. <laughs> you know, that, that that's exactly how I feel many times. It's like, you know, you're in that spot. I remember being a child and um, as I got older, people said, I always thought you were really quiet. You know, like they thought, I, but I'm really an extrovert, but they thought I was really quiet as a child, but they didn't understand what my home dynamic was. Uh my home, my home dynamic reminded me of you saying when you were thinking in your mind, okay, I know how to deal with her. Let me choose the right thing to say. Okay, I'll look over there and say, hey, I see you're working on a craft. Oh, tell me about it. So it's like you were able to shift the thought process. Yeah, I was. Yep. And, and I think that's what we learn sometimes how to do based on where we have found ourselves, we don't even really realize that that's what we're doing. Right. So but, true. But we know if we do this, it may be a better outcome. But if we say this, it's not going to be a good outcome at all. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you get rude. You're like, ah. Yeah, for sure. For so, sure. Um, yeah, I, th I think, you know, I, I was looking at, you know, you're talking about, you know, the fact that there are 14 million Americans and 450 million people across the globe that suffer from some type of mental illness. That's massive. It is. It is. And many of them, in, they suffer in silence. And I think it's like only one third of those suffering worldwide will actually ever receive treatment. So they don't know that they don't, they don't know that this isn't normal. They just live with it, which is even more sad because the conversation isn't out there happening so that they can, they can see that they deserve more joy in their life and, and can get the care that they need. Yeah. I know I've talked to people before because I know I don't deal with mental illness, right? Meaning I, I don't um, talk to people about what you talk to people about because that's your expertise. So I like to stay in my lane, right? Yeah. So if I'm talking to someone, coaching someone, guiding someone along, and we get to this point where, okay, I feel or I can really see that there's something beyond where I can help you, right? Mm -hmm. Then it's my responsibility to do good to that person, to encourage them to go where they can get assistance, right? Right. But what I have found is they don't want it. They, they will say, no, because I'm not crazy. And I'm yeah. saying nobody said you were crazy. And I yeah. think there are points in life where all of us need help and probably didn't realize, realize we need help. I think there was just something greater in me because I can remember a time when there was something really, really bad going on. And the first thing I, I heard in my head was like, just go ahead and take yourself out of this world. Right. Mm. And, but as quick as I thought that I was like, why would I do that? You know, it's like, I could hear it being said, but then I, you know, my senses said, Whoa, that doesn't even make sense. Why would I do that? I'm, yeah. I'm a single parent. 
I have two little kids. Why would I do that? Where someone else might hear that and say, oh, yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. I mean, I think I think when your thoughts start to compromise your joy, mm, that's, that's, good. When you, that's when you have to have the courage to speak up. And to be honest with you, if you keep those thoughts in your head, they become even more scary. When we talk about them, they become less scary. Um, just the fact that you verbalize that now, I don't know that you probably would have ever verbalized that when you were experiencing it. No, I was maybe like 21 at the time. And, you know, a single parent, two kids, you know, trying to take care of my own place with my kids, you know, and but it's, it was just it was just like in that moment when I heard it, I was strong enough to know that it didn't make sense. Right. And I think the reality is a lot of people may have a thought like that, but most of us don't go and act upon it. Right. And, and, and so, but if somebody was, you know, talking like they were going to, then I would need to what, try to refer them to someone to assist them. And so, can you or just, think? Or, or honestly, Dr. Ned, just listening to them, just listening to them could be the first step. They may never choose to act on it. Right, um, right. Unless you, unless you said to them, do you have a plan? Are you planning to do this? What's your plan? And they say, no, it's just a crazy thought that came in my head. And just listening to them could be the first step. And then, you know, having them come to the consensus, this isn't normal. Maybe what I should do is find someone to talk to about it. And then it's less threatening. And then yes. you fulfill on something that's the most important thing in the world. And that is having that person feel heard. Yes. Yes. And I think that's, that's, um, so important always wanting to and i remember when i was taking um i can't even remember what it was some class <laughs> some certification or something and, you know it's the first thing they told uh, told the ministers was you know always never put yourself above anyone and be willing to meet people where they are be willing to engage people where they are have a heart for people where they are yeah yep so we're going to stop right here. This is a two-part um, session. So this is the end of part one. And so we're going to, you know, jump back in with part two for the next week. So tune back in. As we close, I want to thank you for tuning in. If you have not subscribed to this podcast on Apple iTunes or your favorite platform, please do so today. Share a comment and give a five-star rating. Join my mailing list at drannettewestministries at gmail.com. Also, purchase a copy of my newest book, Holistic Wellness, Mind, Body, Spirit, on Amazon or at drannettewestministries.org webpage. Keep tuning in every week. I guarantee you will be blessed.